Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Dial 678-ESOG now for a solution to your foundation and waterproofing problems. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So I was telling our video audience a moment ago, and I'll say this to everybody who's just kind of tuned in now for the first time. If you're watching the show, you see in my hand here the helmet of Georgia's foe on Saturday. This, the Auburn Tigers, the renewal of the Deep South's oldest rivalry. This is here for a reason today, and we'll talk about why that is here in just a moment. Obviously, really, really excited about what's going to go down on Saturday. You kind of turn the page officially to Auburn here, and you can't help but think about the the meaningful games these teams have played in recent years now georgia's won almost all of them but still the the rivalry that was intense for 100 years has gotten more intense in recent seasons and this is one of those things where i think if you're a georgia fan one of the things you're pretty grateful for is the fact that your head coach is a georgia alumnus and your head coach grew up in the state of georgia your head coach has an understanding about the history of this rivalry and if you you know put a microphone in smart's face and say hey how big a rivalry is is, is auburn smart's going to say well they're all big every game is the same that's the thing about being at georgia there's a lot of rivalries and there's also sec play and we're trying to do blah 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 get better each week like he's going to say all of that but you know that's not true because your actions speak so much louder than your words and so smart's words when asked about rivalry is all games are the same respect every opponent blah 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 but pretty clearly based on smart's own actions and behavior there's a little extra juice in a game like this one florida will be the same way coming up in a couple of weeks there's just a little bit of extra juice smart just knows how big the game is he grew up learning about this and now as a coach his actions reflect all of that and i think those of us who care deeply about georgia football would say that this is a very good thing in fact let's kind of go back through this over the course of time here a little bit let's start with 2017 for a moment do you remember in 2017 now this was a bad day for georgia admittedly uh georgia goes into jordan here stadium in november of that season undefeated prior to that and auburn beat them up pretty good there that day and this is one of those things where you just sort of have to take your hat off and give credit to your opponent auburn beat up georgia pretty good once the game was done and old gus malzahn who was the coach of the auburn tigers at the time he was really feeling himself a little bit after the game. Open mic, caught him, uh, kind of giving himself a little boast, a little bit of a pat on the back. A lot of you remember this. Let's go back and hear the natural sound from after the game with Gus Malzahn celebrating that win against Georgia. We whipped the dog crap out of them. We whipped the dog crap out of them, he said there at the time. And that was a very big deal and i remember after that 2017 loss for georgia you know georgia knew it was gonna be in the sec championship game and there was this hope as crazy as it might, it might might seem auburn alabama playing that year there was a lot of georgia fans who were cheering for auburn to win the game not because they wanted to avoid alabama but because they wanted to get gus malzahn back for all of that they wanted to get malzahn you know some revenge on malzahn for saying that he had whipped the dog crap out of georgia way back in 2017 now now smart wasn't having any of that smart you know was very presidential smart was you know very very uh dignified and acting like whatever gus malzahn would have said was was well beneath his status as a as a leader of men to get too worried about some of that kind of stuff here's kirby from 2017 
I'll be honest with you. I think when you perform the way they did on the field, you earn the right to say really whatever you want. So I don't get into what Gus says, and he probably doesn't get into what I say. Do you believe that for a second? Do you believe that for a second that Kirby Smart didn't care that Gus Malzahn was strutting around Jordan-Hare Stadium field after that game back in 2017 saying we beat the dog crap out of them? Of course Kirby cared. And we know how this goes. We've had people tell this before. Smart himself may not be the one stirring the pot about that, but you better believe that um, the Georgia Strength and Conditioning staff is going to be doing that. The the guys who were here back then, the ones some of them are, are still here obviously now, including Scott Sinclair, you better believe they were stirring the pot with all that. We know for a fact that after the game in which Georgia got revenge, we called it Dog Nation retaliation at the time i still wear the t-shirt the dog nation retaliation t-shirt remember isaac not on the field after that game saying hey well now we beat the dog crap out of them so pretty clearly this was on the georgia players minds and it had been stirred up a little bit regardless of what kirby smart had said but it established what would be in the remainder of the malazan era and what's continuing now to this day a big rivalry between the two programs in fact i'll play you a couple of sec- seconds here worth of uh, kirby smart in no uncertain terms how he thinks the way the auburn thinks about georgia this is smart very clearly on the on the emotions in a game like this this from 2018 when it comes to auburn you know how that goes i mean they, they don't like us and we get it he says well, they don't like us and we get it and i think the auburn side would say yeah well georgia doesn't like auburn very much either because remember 2018 this is the year after dog crap and their dog nature retaliation in mercedes-benz stadium now it's back home in athens georgia's got the big one is it 17 point lead and then late in the game with that big lead georgia's trying a field goal then fakes the field goal and tries to score a touchdown with a commanding lead already in place now the the fake doesn't work here in this regard but that's what George was trying to do. And after the game, then Auburn coach Gus Malzahn, boy, he was so mad about that. And I kind of expressed this in kind of a passive aggressive way, but he was really mad uh, about all of this. Let's go back to 2018 for a moment and remind you another chapter in this recent history of the Georgia Auburn rivalry. What are your thoughts on Georgia taking the field goal when they were up 17 and the game was in hand? No, that, you know, they coach their team and we coach ours. I don't, I don't have have any comment on that <laughs> there's nothing better than a well-placed coach's no comment during a press conference because usually that silence speaks a bunch of words and boy you can just hear the disgust in Malzahn's voice because now he's lost to Georgia two consecutive games going back to December of 2017 now the Georgia program is kind of getting off and running leaving Malzahn in the dust eventually Kirby would be one of the chief reasons that Gus Malzahn would get fired and Kirby's also rubbing Malzahn's face in it uh, at the end of that game there in 2018 now for what it's worth once again Kirby kind of take, took the high road back in 2018 acting like there was a strategic reason for faking the field goal and not simply a chance to spike the football against one of his hated rivals this Kirby from 2018 why the fake field goal in the last few minutes why not because <laughs> you had a comfortable lead comfortable what was comfortable 17 17 plus three is what 20 and 20 is a what three score game you lose right so if the point differential is three scores what good does a field goal do you doesn't make it anymore so if they don't get it they're backed up right so the thought was they're going to take three touchdowns to beat us if we get that. If we don't, three touchdowns is going to beat us right away. So it's all about point differential and decisions, and we wanted them to have to start backed up. So it was something that was well thought out long before it happened. It was talked about during the drive. So it's all about point differential. 
It's all about decisions. It's all about point differential. It's not about trying to rub the face uh, of your rival and the turf there at the big lead. It's about point differential, which is, you know, Kirby Smart's prerogative to say it that way. But once again, another great chapter in what happened with these two teams. Now, I could also talk about last season, 2020, with, uh, uh, you know, the idea that they're the most talented team in the SEC and Smart getting very upset about Malzahn saying that and essentially kind of rolling his eyes and all that. But I'm not even going to talk about the 2020 stuff that happened between these two teams and the last meeting ever between Malzahn and Smart. Let's go to 2019 for a moment. Once again, if you want to have an idea about how smart views the the Georgia Auburn rivalry, how all of this uh, you know feels to him, go back to there that day. Hard fought victory for Georgia against a pretty good Auburn team. Crowd got really loud and into the game there late. Georgia did in 2019 as it had done in 2002, which clinched the SEC East right there on the turf there at Jordan Hare Stadium. And then after the game, Smart was asked what he told his team uh, upon getting that victory and this is a family show so we are editing this uh, clip for content but you still get a little bit of a sense of just how much beating Auburn meant to smart back in November of 2019 this is him relaying his message to the players in the locker room after that game classic Kirby in a classic moment in the deep south's oldest rivalry I don't think so. I don't even think I said anything about it. I mean, I gave credit to Auburn and told our guys to handle it with you the right way. Uh, so how about the <laughs> dogs? That's what I told them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't say anything about this. That, 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 that wasn't, that wasn't that goes my the, 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 the goal coming in here. You know what I mean? The goal for us was to continue to get better. So Smart says, I told them HBTFD, and you can obviously think to yourself what the HBTFD means and the expletive that we had to uh, bleep out there, but Smart speaking from the heart because my guess is Kirby Smart really enjoys beating Auburn. Now, if we've noticed that here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia, the folks on the plains apparently have noticed this there as well. There is a veteran Auburn reporter. His name is Philip Marshall. He writes for 247sports.com. And looking ahead to the game on Saturday between Georgia and Auburn, Marshall's, I think speaking the language of Auburn fans here, seems to have a little bit of a concern. Now, I just told you, 2017 what happened, 2018 what happened, 2019 what happened, there was more fireworks between these two teams in 2020 the rivalry credentials well established here's what philip marshall the auburn reporter for 24 7 sports says all of that could mean for saturday's game can we show this on the screen here for a moment so here's what the marshall says one of his big concerns is or maybe auburn fans what their big concern for saturday will be will kirby smart run it up on auburn if he gets the opportunity marshall says at 24 7 sports i believe he will Smart has made his dislike for Auburn clear. That an Auburn reporter writing for 247sports.com saying, oh boy, if there's the chance to tack on the extra score, this isn't Sam Pittman you're playing anymore. This isn't beloved former assistant and, and you know, team in Arkansas I've got some respect for. This is the hated Auburn Tigers. This is have a chance to tack one on late to kind of show where Georgia ranks in the national pecking order in a hostile stadium, a school that Kirby kind of views as a very big rival. Maybe Georgia does want to run the score up on Saturday. Now, listen, uh, obviously all that really matters is getting the win, but Georgia fans also going to allow themselves to be greedy here for a little bit. So let me join Philip Marshall in saying, I am also curious to see if Georgia on Saturday puts its foot on the gas, if Georgia on Saturday tries to tack on that extra score. Would Georgia fans like to blow out Auburn uh, 
uh, this upcoming weekend? You better believe they would. And with that in mind, I told you on video a moment ago, got the Auburn helmet right here. And as a way of just kind of reminding all of us what this Georgia-Auburn rivalry has been, let me go back to that past here for a moment. I, I was given a few of these bumper stickers a few years ago. And so let me uh, kind of pull one of these out right now. A chance to, you know, kind of stick this on here. And let's see if we can get this to come off. This thing's been sitting there since 2019. Let's see if we can pull this apart. Yeah, now we got it. So this is one of those HBTFD uh, bumper stickers. I was given a bunch of these way back in 2019. See that right there? You know what that stands for. You heard that uh, from Kirby Smart a moment ago. I'm going to take this HBTFD bumper sticker. I'm going to smack this thing right here on the side of this Auburn football helmet. Because I think the idea of, hey, blowout against Auburn on Saturday, keeping this hated rivalry in mind, keeping the fact those Auburn folks are pretty scared of the Georgia Bulldogs, I like the idea of all that right there. So how about a good reminder of what Saturday's all about? That's it for you right there. HBTFD going to Jordan-Hare Stadium. They are worried about a blowout. They are worried about the behemoth that is the Georgia Bulldogs right now. And I think most Georgia fans would say, yeah, with pretty good reason. There is a lot of history between these two programs. And when Auburn's been fortunate enough to beat Georgia, they have talked, they have crowed, they have strutted. Gus Malzahn, dog crap, what you and your own neighborhood have had to experience, maybe some of the Auburn fans that you've lived with, but it is a dawning of a new age right now. And uh, Georgia's got a big-time team coming in there on Saturday. So HBTFD, that is a, uh, that, that, that's plenty good as a, a motivation for the dogs on Saturday. And I can't wait to see how all of that plays out. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented today by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Uh, glad to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today, live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. By the way, great to have Facebook back from the dead again after what was a little bit of a rough day yesterday, not affecting our show, but um, but uh, glad to know it's kind of back in time for our show here today. And of course, a lot of you join us at 945 at dognation.com and on the Dog Nation app for our first and 15. Fun to have all of you with us there for that. Podcast, radio, 963, everything else in between. Just really appreciate you being here. And of course, a big thanks to our friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia for making it all possible. It is raining like crazy today. That's why I've got kind of like the waterproof pullover on today because it was pouring down rain as i was coming in and uh, for a lot of you you know the rain means trouble right you see the water creeping into your garage uh, obviously kind of overtakes your crawl space in your basement a place that you definitely don't want that to be and you know it's time to get that fixed and maybe you've put off making the decision don't put it off anymore or if you're seeing those foundation issues showing up cracks that's the easiest way to recognize that in your in your uh, foundation floor or in the walls you know those horizontal cracks vertical cracks, you know just those those Cracks can be obviously a sign of trouble. We'll get that scene about two. My friends at Engineered Solutions of Georgia, they do great work with this. They have two full-time engineers on staff. That means that they got smart people handling serious issues. No more important asset for you than your home, and Engineered Solutions of Georgia is there to help protect all of that and, and and take care of what can be one of the most substantial issues you're ever going to deal with. They are also a proud partners of UGA, makes them fun to do business with, longtime friends of ours here at Dog Nation Daily. And we love like crazy those that support uh, those that have uh, supported Dog Nation Daily for a long time. And of course, Engineered Solutions of Georgia is certainly an example of that. They're also really easy to get in touch with. You can give them a call. 678-ESOG-NOW. That's 678-ESOG-NOW. Uh, and they can provide you a solution for your foundation waterproofing issues. They got solutions in their name. They they solve big time problems when it comes to foundation waterproofing issues. So check out ESOG today. Alright, speaking of uh, uh, things going on with the Georgia Bulldogs, we'll get Connor Riley coming up in a moment. We'll do a Kroger Fresh Fresh take with him 
and get all kinds of information on kind of what's going on at UGA practice, the look ahead to Auburn, clearly the intensity of the rivalry, but also an important next step for Georgia along the way to, you know, just keeping pace from a resume standpoint with, you know, what the top teams in the country are supposed to be able to do. Another comparison Saturday coming up, and how does Georgia get ready to do that against Auburn on Saturday? We'll talk a lot about that here uh, before we're done getting ready for the Deep South's oldest rival. Before that, though, let's get ready to uh, go around the doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at Georgia's own credit union. Always happy to have them as a part of the program. And I do want to get serious from We had some fun off the top with the rivalry and the recent history here and the fact the Auburn folks a little worried about a uh, blowout coming on Saturday. A little concerned about all of that. But let's get serious here for because there was a pretty important update from Kirby Smart given about the status of JT Daniels. And, you know, sometimes we might get frustrated that Smart's not being clear enough or saying one thing, meaning something else. And I've been guilty of that. Maybe I've also been guilty of reading too much into what Smart has said in the past. Uh, Obviously, these injuries matter. Coach is going to work hard to make sure the message is controlled exactly the way they want it to be. And you you understand all of that. But I thought yesterday... I don't think you can say that Smart didn't give you know a clear message. I don't think that you can say that Smart's message was difficult to interpret. So if you kind of know where exactly things stand with JT Daniels, I thought Smart yesterday was about as clear on this topic as he has been. No games seemingly being played with all of this. And you know if you're a Georgia fan that just kind of wants to know what the situation is, I mean, I think you have to say you kind of got that from Kirby on JT yesterday. Here is a very clear statement about Daniel's status after not playing against Arkansas. Here's Kirby. As far as uh, JT, you know, he's not going to do anything today. Uh, he'll be out. He's practicing. He's doing everything but throwing. Uh, and then we'll see how it goes, you know, day to day. I mean, the biggest thing is he's got to rest and recover and try to heal. So uh, we're very hopeful that he'll be able to go Tuesday, Wednesday and be able to throw and like he was able to do last week some days. But he's not going to do much today in terms of throwing. But there's a lot more to quarterback than just throwing the ball. And he does uh, a lot of that stuff well, and he'll still do all those things today. I understand what Smart's saying there at the end. I think the presence of a quarterback matters, whether he's participating or not. It's one of the reasons why Georgia a lot of times will travel four quarterbacks to these away games is because either they're going to absorb something or they're going to be a source of absorption for somebody else. And I think JT Daniels as the obvious starter for Georgia when healthy, you know, his presence in practice, you know, doing whatever, you know, I like I'm trying very hard not to use the the phrase mental rep here because that's one of the things that people used to mock Butch Jones for. But I mean, there is a mental rep part of this of of, hey, if you're thinking about what needs to be done in every situation, you are a participant in practice, even if you're not doing the physical part of it. But clearly, it's the physical part of this that matters more than anything else. And we kind of openly speculated yesterday, and hopefully not recklessly so, but openly speculated of if a little bit of rest is going to make Daniels healthier then just give it to him. I mean, if if you really got this much faith in Stetson Bennett, and I take Smart seriously when he says that he does, if you really obviously have as much faith in your defense as you do, and you should, gosh, gosh knows how, how well that's playing, Georgia running game coming on right now too, Auburn's cowering in the corner about the idea of being blown out as it is. If, if all of this is true, then then take the bold step of resting JT Daniels like don't practice him at all and and just let him rest and let him get healthier in the hope that hey maybe by the time you get now towards the month of November now he's even healthier and like I said before that's that's all just speculation that's all just kind of thinking out loud but it is one of the things that kind of comes to mind through all of this but I think it's also important to add this to the discussion 
when smart talks there about what daniels will do at practice and how available he is and the fact that he's not throwing right now i think you got to take that pretty seriously and as a way of kind of like refining that point let me bring in something else that smart said yesterday this is about a different play this is about tyke smith who you know is trying to work his way back and be a part of what's happening there defensively and you know maybe that's going a little slower right now than tyke kind of wants it to but in speaking about tyke yesterday smart made kind of a bold sweeping statement about his team overall and i think you have to take this pretty seriously when it comes to jt daniel so context here we just heard smart say right now daniels is participating in practice there's a lot of things you can do besides throwing but on monday was not going to throw and when reporters including our own mike griffith got a chance to see that yesterday they saw that with with their own eyes so daniels limited in practice apparently not doing the physical stuff that a quarterback needs to do so that was the situation with daniels now here's kirby talking about tyke smith but listen to the phrase that smart uses when it comes to players on his team i think if this applies to tyke it also applies to jt daniels there as well Here's Kirby again. I mean, you got to practice to play. One thing we don't do here is when you don't practice, you can't play. So Taiki was at practice, and he tried to go on practice. It's tougher on him with the movements he has to have. He's reacting to movement as opposed to going in a direction. So it's different for him. So Smart says you got to practice to play. Uh, that, that if you want to be on the football field, we're not going to play you on Saturday if you're not practicing during the week. Now, that's obviously important for Tyke Smith, and obviously we'll focus a lot on how eventually uh, you know Smith kind of gets back here with the dogs and uh, doing everything we expected of him at some point in time. But let's use that same phrase relevant for JT Daniels here for a moment too. That if Daniels is going to be the quarterback for Georgia on Saturday, he has to be, you would presume, on the basis of those words right there, he's got to be available to Georgia during the week as well. Now, most of you know this, but I'm going to say it out loud anyway. Like when Smart says you got to practice to play, I don't think he means that in any kind of punitive sense. This is not one of those things of if you're not going to be healthy enough to practice, we're therefore going to punish you on Saturday by not allowing you to play. That's not what Smart means by that. I think what Smart means by that is if you don't practice your ability to be effective on saturday is just going to be different if the nfl we'd be having a completely different conversation right you're talking about 30 something year old guys or you know uh, late 20s you're talking about guys that have been at the professional level for quite some time i mean you think about like for falcons fans for years julio jones seemed to never practice that didn't seem to have any kind of impact on him because he's kind of an old dude by that point in time he's fully you know grown you know grown man you know full-fledged professional college guys are not that even someone like jt daniels who's cerebral and understands the game and you know kind of all all those complimentary things you'd say about his cognition his ability to 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 kind of function with the mental part of football still this is a younger guy this is a guy who's you know getting used to life as the georgia quarterback has only started a small handful of games with the bulldogs over the course of the last couple of seasons that if daniels is not available to practice then the idea that he's the best option for georgia on saturdays that honestly just might not be true that 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 you know working hands-on with the game plan against a very good georgia defense in those moments during practice is probably a really good way to make sure you are fully prepared for what's going to happen on saturday And if you're not able to do that then that may be as much as any reason if you had to kind of think out loud here for a moment that may be as much as any reason why you might not see daniels against auburn on saturday and maybe in other games at least uh, another game after that there as well so i think that everything that smart says matters i think everything he says he says for a reason and when he says about tyke smith that you've got to be able to practice to be able to play i think that's the kind of pullout quote 
that is probably relevant for the rest of the team there too. Not because you're punishing players, but because to get the best out of players, you got to have a good week of practice there there also. So, you know, that was the story for Monday. JT Daniels wasn't throwing. Is he healthy enough to do that today? We typically think of Tuesday as a pretty important practice. Obviously, we'll be listening very closely to see everything that Smart says, other Georgia players say, the reports that kind of come out of, of all of this. We're going to be watching all of this closely, but the practice time for Daniels, as important as anything in terms of demonstrating how healthy he is and how capable he is of managing that pain tolerance, as Smart has talked about, and leading the Georgia offense, eventually you need to have him back. Maybe you have the luxury right now of letting that process play out slowly, but this will be one of those things that Georgia fans are monitoring very, very closely. It's around the doghouse. It's presented today by our friends at Georgia's Own Credit Union, and I obviously love what Georgia's Own Credit Union has been doing for its members for a long time. And obviously, one of the most important things you can get from Georgia's Own Credit Union is access to one of these Visa Signature and Platinum cards. These are cards that have all kinds of conveniences and all kinds of great options for you there as well. On on the subject of conveniences, you can get contactless payments, which obviously makes things uh, really, really nice. You can also get all kinds of flex rewards, which you can really use for just about anything. I'm talking about gift cards, travel, cashback, merchandise, Plus, as a bonus, you can also earn up to $150 when you open one of these new platinum or signature cards. There are some restrictions that apply, so make sure you check out the website, georgesown.org, for a lot more information on this. georgesown.org. And, of course, it's great to have Georgia's Own Credit Union as part of Around the Doghouse here on Dog Nation Daily here today. A bunch of stuff around the SEC we've got to cover before the show is done. But, man, it's time to get deep into Georgia-Auburn on Saturday. Still a little weird to have this game in October, but a lot of fun nonetheless to be getting ready for the Deep South's oldest rivalries. Let's do all of that right now as a part of a Kroger Fresh Take with Connor Riley. Good to have all of you with us, too. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. Well, so Connor Riley here, Kroger Fresh Take, getting ready for Georgia and Auburn coming up on Saturday. Man, that's always uh, so much fun and uh, so much to be said about that game as we cover all that with uh, Connor Riley right now. Connor, I guess let's begin where I just was. Do you take the, the, the practice stuff as seriously as I do right now that even though we think of Daniels as kind of a student of the game and clearly when Daniels plays, he's effective, but I do think your practice week is a big key to your effectiveness. And it's not one of those things of, well, the the pain was flaring up on Tuesday, and so he couldn't practice, but now he feels better on Saturday, so you're just going to kind of throw him right out there and let him go out there and, and, and be your guy. My guess is that probably puts Todd Munkin and Kirby Smart in a little bit of an uncomfortable position that as good as Daniels is, you don't get the best of him if he's not capable of practicing during the week. Do you think that's fair to say? Yeah, Kirby is, a I think, a stickler for going out there and practicing and in performing well in practice I think that's a big way that players earn trust with Kirby so that he does feel comfortable putting you out there on Saturdays and with JT's injury it's clearly just a rest thing you know Dak Prescott who is tearing up for the Dallas Cowboys right now as Kirby Smart has pointed out missed pretty much close to a month of preseason practices Mm -hmm. because he had a, a, a similar lat strain now Kirby has said that the strain that Prescott had was more severe and so if you know JT's been dealing this for a week, week and a half per Kirby since they've diagnosed it. Maybe another week, week and a half until he is sort of back to where he's able to capably throw again. I mean, not to armchair doctor this, but you and I saw JT on the field on Saturday. Yeah. He did not look comfortable throwing. He did not. Uh, e- even the limited throws that he was making, uh, he just did not seem very comfortable right there. So, you know, it's something that's clearly they're just going to have to rest and sort of take this 
practice by practice now at this point and see where he's at physically and if he's able to go. Yeah, this is such a risky thing to do. But when you go back and think about body language before the UAB game, I think that Daniel's body language that day made it seem like he might start. Right yeah. there, there was a little bit of mystery of, "Ooh, what's going on here? How's this going to play out?" There was no mystery whatsoever. Very and early on, it was clear he was not going to. Play. Anybody who was in the stadium and watching this unfold could have seen this. It was just a guy that I don't. I don't want to describe it too much because you end up reading too much into it. But there was just a certain like just resignation that he just yep. wasn't going to be playing there that day. And and to repeat to you what I said to the rest of the audience a moment ago, this is not punishment. This nope. is not okay, you're not practicing, therefore we're not playing you. Like, Daniels wants to practice. I mean, um, this is not one of those things of, you know, I'm a, I'm a hard-driving coach and I drive a, you know, a, a tough ship here and if, if you're not, you know, we're going we're to punish you if, if you don't go out there and practice. I, I really do think when it comes to these complicated game plans against these SEC defenses that your rhythm in executing all of this is developed during practice. Gosh knows the value of going up against the Georgia defense is, is clearly a way that you can, you know, develop some precision with all that the other players need to practice with the quarterback they're going to be playing with there's also this leadership you know kind of uh, uh, uh intangible quotient involved with this too where you want that team to rally around that guy it's not about we're going to punish if you don't practice it's you're just less valuable to us if you can't practice yeah kirby said it himself he's frustrated by what he's having to deal with right now his body is not helping him succeed and, and for him to succeed he's also got to go through practice for georgia continue to develop that chemistry with these wide receivers who are still pretty banged up and is still a pretty rotating cast in every week of who's healthy and who's not and I think that's really developed over the course of practice and until we see JT consistently practice or or, or, you know consistently at this point maybe not practice maybe that's a better indication of when we might expect to see him back as opposed to this seemingly every week now it's Wednesday Thursday is JT gonna play is he not gonna play yeah I mean and it seems like we've had way too many opportunities to talk about this kind of stuff over the course of you know this season even going back into the summer but you know if Daniels is out there but he can't comfortably make every throw then he is less valuable than Seth Bennett. Like, yep. Daniels is the A player, he's the starter. Bennett's the B player, he's the backup. But if Bennett is fully healthy and fully capable of making all the throws to the best of his ability, which his abilities are limited in compared to JT Daniels, but if Bennett is healthier and more easily able to the best of his ability to make the throws that he can make, and that's more valuable than JT Daniels at only 85% or whatever else because a Daniels that can't make all the throws is not JT Daniels. No, he because that because he's not the athlete that Stetson Bennett is. He's not moving around in the pocket with the same ability that Stetson Bennett has. And so if you're already sort of limited athletically in how you're able to move around and create plays there, and now you're physically unable to make the throws that make you such a great quarterback, at a certain point, I think like we sort of saw in the Clemson game looking back at it now – I don't want to say JT Daniels was hurting Georgia that day, but he because of the ailment that he had, the oblique at that point in time, the Georgia offense was severely limited in what it could do. And if, if so. that's the guy you're throwing out there, you're handicapping your own offense in that point in time. And so while, yes, Stetson Bennett has his limitations, he's also done some really good things for this Georgia offense as well. Yeah, so this is an unfair question to ask you because neither one of us have the expertise to answer it, but I want to ask it anyway. Do you think it's possible that at some point in time this season, November, December, Lord willing, January. Do you think it's possible that we're no longer talking about JT Daniels, la oblique, some sort of muscle injury that could potentially limit him? Is there a foreseeable scenario where this is overcome at some point? God, I hope so. 
I do think there's a chance again in the this is maybe just following one example a little too closely but nobody's talking about Dak Prescott's lat yeah. right now and so you know if Daniels is able to get the rest that he needs and is able to sort of get this back to where he feels comfortable throwing the football consistently maybe that's where we're at with this because it doesn't sound like the oblique is the issue anymore it sounds like now the lat has sure. become the, the chief problem when it comes to JT Daniels and his health and I guess the reason why I link them together because I just think of them as similar type deals yeah. you know muscles that, that that create you know comfort in throwing it so if it was you would you shut him down for the next two weeks that's tough. Uh, I shut him down for Auburn, and we'll get into why uh, coming up shortly. Mm-hmm. You know, if he if he's able to play for Kentucky and he feels good, I would play him against Kentucky because uh, I think Kentucky has a better chance of muddying up that game and making it look kind of ugly. And we saw them do that last year to Stetson Bennett. Uh, but I also wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if we don't see JT Daniels until the Florida game again. Yeah, I mean it's one of those things, and we'll get more deeply in the Auburn game for a moment, but. You think about right now, Georgia's riding high. There's a lot of rat poison. I'm not we, quite. I'm not quite so sure that Kirby Smart wouldn't wouldn't mind a couple of weeks of what's wrong with Georgia if if they're struggling a little bit, but also winning. I'm not quite so sure if Kirby Smart wouldn't mind that a little bit. Can we retire rat poison? Kirby outright. Kirby in his press conference outright yesterday had a chance to use the the whole rat poison thing that yeah. Nick Saban coined and Nick Saban has used time and time again. He didn't use rat poison. He just came out and outright said poison said that national media, you know, talk, saying nice things about our defense. After complaining on Saturday that people weren't asking enough nice questions about what this Georgia team yeah. did well, said, yeah, we got to be aware of the poison that is out there. I think now this Georgia fan base, given, you know, all the complaints that Alabama fans have about yeah. copying Alabama, doing this, that, and the other with Alabama, let's no longer – let's just agree not to use the term rat poison. But hold on, this is not Georgia copying this, although Georgia would be the team that most likely would be receiving rat poison right now. This is one of those things just sort of belongs in the lexicon. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's actually one of the most fascinating things to me to watch how quickly this became a phrase that needed no explanation whatsoever. I mean, I can say this. I've probably used rat poison in a headline a few times over the course of the last few years without really any concern whatsoever that people would not know what I'm talking about. Now, I, I, I get your point. Maybe it's moving into, like, cliche territory. It's just amazing how quickly this went from being uh, a thing that Saban said that got a bunch of attention to overnight just became the word that it's used to describe uh, you know, unwelcome praise. I'm going to make it my mission to get rat poison out of the cultural lexicon. I, I do like the fact that, that for smart now it's just poison. It's just poison. Like, like it's so common now that we've now shortened it a, a little bit even more. Well, I guess let's do a little bit more poison here for a moment because you were telling me off the air yesterday that you have a pretty bold prediction to make about the um, about the Georgia-Auburn game for Saturday, which I find to be pretty fascinating. And boy, if this comes true, talk about buckle your seatbelt, this would be on. So we all know the Georgia defense is great. There's yep. no denying that. But when you hear people give score predictions all the time, almost no one ever says, oh, they're going to score zero points. They're not going to score at all. Auburn is going to score zero points on Saturday. That's a big that's a zero. big prediction. That's a zero. big prediction. And while yes, last week my bold predictions Amir White would have 100 yards. While I can't claim the win there, he also did have three touchdowns in that that's game. Right. That's right. Auburn is going to score zero points this week. Bo Nix played great last week. I've been critical of him in the past. He did everything that was needed to for that Auburn team, a team that didn't run the ball that well against uh against LSU. Nix was actually Auburn's leading rusher in that game. Auburn is not going to score a single point on Saturday. Yeah, I just think that's a huge prediction. And, you know, look, I want to give Auburn a little bit of credit because I did think what they did on the road at LSU Saturday was, was, you know, 
deserving of credit. I thought the Bo Nix, I said this on the show yesterday, I don't like Auburn and I can't stand to get picks wrong. I liked LSU going to that game and, you know, Nix made me wrong. But I was entertained by what he saw. And yeah, I still can't quite disagree with you. This Georgia defense that's that's playing at such a fever pitch right now. I, I can't disagree with you that that won't continue on the planes on Saturday. And I, I just... I just find this defense to be so incredibly entertaining right now that there's really nothing I don't believe they're capable of doing. You know, the, obviously the big play from Saturday where Nix is running around for it seems about 30 seconds and then finally finds Tyler Fromm for the touchdown yeah. there. He's not going to be able to do that with Adam Anderson chasing no. him. Like, And I'm going to write about him at some point this week. I expect Adam Anderson to have a very impactful performance on Saturday against Auburn. He certainly did so a year ago. I That was really, I think, his big coming out party of – oh, wow, this is why this guy was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. And I think his athleticism matched up against Bo Nix's athleticism, which, say whatever you want about him, Bo Nix is just a really incredible athlete. And, you know, you look at the way, say, the New Orleans Saints used uh, Taysom Hill at the NFL level. I wouldn't be stunned if, if maybe Bo Nix could potentially one day develop into that. Adam Anderson is an athlete that is capable of keeping up with and maybe even tracking down a Bo Nix. Yeah, I mean, look, I think one of the things that I do and sometimes probably do to a fault is I'm very contrarian and I always look at like whatever the common opinion is and my instinct is to say well things are actually different than that or more complicated than that or the opposite of that like I I just I see the world from sort of a contrarian point of view however there are some times when it's not appropriate to be contrarian and like one of the things that's going to be a huge problem for Auburn on Saturday is their offensive line has really struggled they, they don't they don't have you know great talent at that position group they've really struggled a guy like Tank Bigsby who I think of as a terrific running back his stats have suffered because of the fact that Georgia the, the Auburn offensive line right now is just not playing very well like that's a disaster I mean mm. like you do not want to be going up against this Georgia team with with uh, offensive line issues because there's just really very little you can do to mitigate against that. Yeah, and, and you know, Bonex is going to make some things happen. Adam Anderson is not going to bat a thousand against Bonex. Bonex is going to be able to make some plays. And, and speaking a little bit more on Knicks, I, I think the thing that impressed me most that was that he came back and played as well as he did after getting benched because as a football player, there's nothing worse than just straight out getting benched and not playing. And then actually seeing the guy that replaced you go out there and have success in TJ Finley and leading armor to a win over Georgia State. So for Bo Nix to display the mental toughness to come back for that, I was really impressed with. Because his body language after the game against Georgia State was wretched. Understand, wretched. Like, understandably so. Like there's, yeah. there's nothing worse in football than not playing. Yeah. I, I will always defend guys who, you know, such as Demetrius Robertson, who looked at the Georgia depth chart situation and said, I want to go play. And he's proven that so far. He is Auburn's leading receiver when he has been able to play. He did not play in that Georgia State game. And I think he's going to be someone who Auburn's going to look to maybe get the ball to in certain situations this weekend. So for Knicks to come out and play that well, I, I think says a lot about him. I was certainly wrong about him. But this coming Saturday, I just think this Georgia defense is such a bad matchup because they actually have the athletes that are able, specifically Adam Anderson, I think, to keep up with him. All right, so let me kind of uh, play devil's advocate on this for a moment. Like, my biggest concern for Saturday would be, you know, you hear the Auburn reporter saying, oh, you know, Kirby Smart's going to try to run the score up on Auburn. You know, you predict the shutout. I don't have a, a factual way of arguing against that necessarily. But here's what my one concern would be, is that if you're Georgia, you get got a tough decision to make because – depending on how you handle one side of this or the other that does open the door for the game to be close enough where 
something happens. Georgia either tries to be conservative around Bennett again, the way that it did on Saturday. Maybe that doesn't work quite as well. Because, you know, listen, I mean, I saw some things from Auburn up front and defensively on Saturday. I was pretty impressed with, I guess, mm-hmm. the status of Owen Popo. We don't quite know right now. But, but you know, this front seven showed itself capable of doing some things for Auburn Saturday. Probably played even better than I uh, assumed that, that they probably would. But So there's a way that you try to replicate the conservative game plan of Saturday against Arkansas, and all of a sudden now the Auburn game is a little closer than you want it to be because you're not scoring enough points. But then there's also the thing of, hey, let's let Bennett go out there try to make some plays. And Bennett, listen – I like Stetsman a lot. I've defended Bennett against a lot of Georgia fans now going on on two years. I am a big Stetson Bennett fan, but even I will acknowledge he is reckless with the football. He's reckless with he's the football. He's not a game manager. He is not a game manager. Um, he's reckless. He made a, you know at least one reckless throw on Saturday. And I'm saying this as a guy who likes Stetson Bennett. He is oh boy, he makes some throws that sometimes you're you know you know your heart skips a beat over. So it's that decision right there that has the potential to make Saturday's game a little closer than certainly Georgia fans wanted to be experts believe it will be you go conservative now you're not scoring enough points because Auburn just has a better you know defensive personnel on the field than what Arkansas has or you try to make some plays and Bennett in his desire to make those plays gives Auburn the turnover that has the potential to change the game that's where this game gets close yeah I, I think I'd, I'd be very very and very surprised if Auburn came out and used the same plan that Arkansas tried to right. where for I think really a quarter and a half all, Ar- Arkansas was just didn't think that Georgia was going to be able to run the ball and then they did and eventually they made some adjustments and, and changed the game up that way uh, I think Auburn is going to maybe do what UAB did maybe with a little bit better success of just dare Stetson Bennett to beat them down the field I will say when it comes to Auburn and their defensive front seven you know two weeks ago when 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 Arkansas beat A&M, a lot of people were, oh, this Arkansas team, you know, and certainly when the national media, I think, really jumped on when Stetson Bennett was starting, there were a lot of people that were like, hmm, you know, maybe Arkansas might win this game. I thought it was more about Texas A&M not being good, and I think we've sort of seen that been proven since then. Part of me wonders with the Auburn success on this past Saturday if that's not more of an indictment about where LSU is right now. I think Jordan Hare Stadium is a very interesting factor in this game on Saturday because I have great respect for the venue. It's a hard place to favorite. Play. It's my favorite stadium in the SEC. Uh, 2017. I mean, you just got to give them credit. Now they did a bunch of cheap, you know, Auburn stuff with the Nick Fairley classless. Just you can't even you can't even say uh, enough about it in terms of the way they celebrated what was essentially you know uh, you know dirty play from the uh, 2013 game. But but nonetheless, they you know they created a big time atmosphere there that day in 2019. That game got tight. It got tight late. And I, rem- tight. I remember thinking, you know, when Georgia has that couple touchdown lead, the stadium is quiet as a mouse. And then suddenly Auburn makes a couple plays, and all of a sudden they're swag surfing, and everybody's having a good time. And all of a sudden, in, in the late stages of the 2019 game, you had to deal with the Auburn crowd. On Saturday, this is a fan base. I'm talking about Auburn here for a moment that is so ready to turn their own team. Like the game, the game against LSU does not do as much to change that. I think, as some people might assume that it would. This is an Auburn fan base that wants to vote with their bodies. They want to leave the stadium. They want to boo. They want to do whatever. But they're also front runners, and they feel like they're playing well, then they'll start cheering. 
I, I think Georgia's got to throw the, the the kitchen sink at them in the first quarter. I, I, it's one of those things that you know, if you're live betting a game like this, if it's not blowout early, then you wonder is it going to be close late. You know what I'm saying? It's like I think this stadium can be a factor on Saturday, but Georgia can remove that early by really throwing that kitchen sink early in the game. So if Bennett's got some big throws, if you know that you've got a few things you can do, do it in the first quarter because if you build that early lead, these Auburn people will turn on their own team. They are this close to wanting to do that. Do you know what the margin is in the first quarter of Georgia's games this year? I, you, I think you told me this. I don't remember what you said, but I know it's a lot. It's 91 to 6. There you go. There you go. 91 that, to 6. Yeah, that's uh, this the Georgia team has started fast. Uh, I think that's a credit to Todd Munkin. If you want to just enjoy yourself as a Georgia fan, just just go back and rewatch some of the games that Georgia has played so far and, and try and pay attention to the stuff Georgia's doing on offense. I, I think Todd Munkin. You know, even with the quarterback issues and the wide receiver health that it, where it has been this season, I think he's done a fabulous job of designing plays, and I think you've seen that's why Georgia has come out and started fast so many times. And I, I do agree with you. I think if this Georgia team comes out and starts fast on Saturday – uh, it, it might be pretty unfun for Auburn fans there. Yeah, that could be a, a really good thing to be able to see. Let's do one more thing here while we have a, a second. It's our Kroger Fresh Take here with uh, Connor Riley here today. Of course, always great, uh, so good to have him with us and so good to let you know as well. You want a great place to work? Kroger is that place. and They're hiring right now at all stores. Now, this is uh, one of the great things about working at Kroger is the in- incredible collection of uh, of benefits and associate discount type things that you get you get next day pay for full and uh, part-time positions also all kinds of really truly endless opportunities to advance there with our friends there at kroger you can apply in store or you can also go to jobs.kroger.com for more details on that that's jobs.kroger.com for a lot more details on that so we talked about the idea of you know kind of rat poison before, and Georgia's hearing a lot of it right now. Uh, Georgia's now along with Alabama. I believe they're both seven to five to win the national championship. The next closest team right now is like either like twelve or fourteen to one. Uh, Georgia way out in front. Georgia's closing the gap on Alabama when it comes to AP poll votes to be the nation's number one team here at the moment. Um, pretty much every national writer who's weighed in on this is essentially other than, I guess, Danny Cannell. But everybody else has kind of echoed the it's Georgia and Alabama, and then there's a chasm between everybody else. What do you make around, about the chatter around Georgia here right now? First of all, it's poison. Not rat poison. It's just poison. It's just poison. Yeah, I like how Connor has truncated our headline there on our... On our poison. Yeah, there you go. I mean... I understand the concern, and it's college football where anything can happen. And and I'll actually say I watched that Iowa Maryland game on yeah. on Friday night. Boy, Iowa, that that's not a fun team to play against. Yeah. Uh, they do a lot of things that I think are, are similar to what Georgia is doing. And not to tip my hand here a little bit, but I I like Iowa this week against Penn State. There, oh, I could see that. I could um, see that. But this Georgia defense is just it's so dominant. And I'll, I'll say with Alabama. Their running back depth is starting to get a little perilous because oh, yeah. Jace McClellan's out for the year. Trey Sanders is still sort of battling injuries and trying to figure out where he is at his point in his career. They gave Brian Robinson 36 carries in that game against Ole Miss That's on right. Saturday. And those carries, as as Carrion Johnson and this Auburn, Auburn program know very well, those carries get to you at the end of the year. And if he goes down... Boy, that 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 puts that puts Alabama in a tough spot with what maybe what they want to try and do offensively right. there. So you know it, it goes to kind of show while you could be riding high one week, you're a couple injuries away, and Georgia certainly knows this with what they've had to deal with this year. From hey, maybe maybe I was able to come in and do some things and, and knock you around and beat you, or 
you know, Ohio State, who I could very well see winning, winning the Big Ten after all this, you know, being able to figure some more things out offensively and do enough patchwork on defense to make things interesting. I ultimately don't believe that, and I, I don't think I don't trust Oklahoma as a team yet. Win a game by double digits at some point this season against mm-hmm. a Power Five team, sure. and I'll take you seriously. Sure. So, uh, it, it it part of it is yes, Alabama and Georgia have looked that legitimately great, but the other part of it is those other teams, Oregon, Ohio State, Oklahoma. Uh, there's not an ACC team worth mentioning unless you want to talk Wake football. They just have so many glaring flaws that. I understand why there are concerns for Alabama and Georgia and, and taking in too much poison, but I, I just watching what I've seen through five weeks so far, there's just a massive gap between the way that Georgia and Alabama are executing and the way the rest of the sport is. Yeah, I think you're making a pretty good point. And while I have said, hey, if I had a vote, I'd give to Georgia over Alabama, the truth is I'm actually less interested in the comparison between Georgia to Alabama and a lot more interested in the comparison between Georgia and everybody else. Because if the gap really is as significant between these two SEC teams and everybody else, then that for me has to matter come December we're making the college football playoff picks. Because here's the thing, to me – and I realize fairness is the last thing the committee cares about. They've proven that over and over again. But here's what would be fair. Either Georgia and Alabama are both going to make the college football playoff or we're going to agree that only the winner is going to make it. Because right now, it, it seems like it'd be very easy to head to a scenario where if Georgia beats Alabama, Alabama still gets in. But if Alabama beats Georgia, somehow Georgia gets excluded. Yep. Because Alabama's won national championships and been a fixture and all that kind of stuff. And... I'm sure there are plenty of people who say, well, that's the way it should be because Alabama's proven a lot more than Georgia has. But honestly, if you're looking at the year in the universe that we're in right now, I don't quite know how that's fair. And, you know, it's like all the stuff that we say, you know, going into December somehow magically gets forgotten once we get there in that moment. And there's this, you know, political maneuvering to get other teams in the college football playoff. There's a lot Georgia's got to do to even be in this position. But... I think that this is one of those things, if you care about Georgia and if you're kind of a Georgia partisan like we are, or like I am, um, uh, I, I think that amplifying this discussion right now, that in the moment these games are being played, there is universal belief that Georgia is way better than everybody else. And so if Georgia were to lose 35-28 to Alabama in the SEC championship game, then the fact that we spent the entirety of the fall thinking Georgia was still way better than everybody else, that has got to matter. Because at the time, recency bias is going to kick in. There will be people talking about the Big Ten champion, the Big 12 champion, and all of a sudden it becomes a lot easier to elbow out the loser of that SEC championship game, especially if it would be a Georgia, knowing that Georgia's not as well-credentialed as Alabama is during the playoff era. Can I point you to a scenario that you're going to hate? Sure. Let's say Alabama beats Georgia. Conceivable, mm-hmm. certainly. They it would out, be a favorite on a neutral out, field yeah, right now. They'd be a yeah. touchdown favorite. Really, touchdown. I'd, I'd say that's probably closer to four, five and a half points. Something but. like that. Let's, let's say in between you know, five and six and a half. Let's say there's a 12-0 Cincinnati. What's your outrage factor if they put a 12-0 Cincinnati over a one-loss Georgia team in the playoff? I would be, I would be beyond outrage. Beyond outrage. Because and I've been someone that's argued that, hey, we need to get group of five teams in. But if Georgia's 12-0 and their only loss is to Alabama, why are we punishing Georgia because they play in a tougher conference? If, if, if Georgia got to play the schedule that Oklahoma got to play, there'd be no question about it. But if you're going to punish Georgia and you're going to punish the second SEC team who – Whoever loses that game is going to be the second-best SEC team and also the second-best team in the country. And if you're going to punish them because they happen to play in the conference with tougher teams, what are we doing? Yeah. So, yeah, and 
I don't think they're going to put Cincinnati in the playoff. I really don't. And I think that we'll see when the first rankings come out, you know, later on that Cincinnati is nowhere nearly as highly ranked by the committee as they mm-hmm. are ranked by the human polls because they just don't want a group of five team in the playoff yep. unless they just politically can't afford not to. They just don't want to do it. So here's my only point. We'll kind of finish this because to a certain person, they listen to this and they say, well, this is just way down the line. I want to amplify this conversation now so it seems relevant, not because I'm conceding a loss to Alabama, because I'm not, but we know that Georgia will be treated differently if it loses the SEC championship game because it was in 2018. Alabama didn't even make the game in 2017, and Moon walked into the playoff. Georgia fought hard in 2018, got excluded. We have reason to believe they'll treat Alabama differently than Georgia. So let's let's amplify now the discussion that when the games are being played, people are blown away by what Georgia's doing, and they're frankly underwhelmed by almost everybody else. If what we've seen in the first five weeks of the season continues, where Georgia continues to play as well as it does, and the rest of the sport, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, uh, Ohio State, Penn State, Oregon, if you want to throw them in there, though uh, their quarterback is not good enough, in my opinion, to to get them. I mean, they they beat Stanford, but Stanford, the only play they were running at the end of the game was goal line fade, right. and they won. Um, if that continues... I, there's no conceivable way you can leave Georgia out, even if they lose to Alabama. Even if they get blown out somehow by Alabama. Mm-hmm. There's just no way that that can happen, in my opinion. Yes, yeah, so we're going to be watching this very, very close, because I do believe it's going to be a it's going to be an intense college football playoff debate it always is but Georgia's seemingly going to be right in the middle of all that uh connor great stuff as part of our Kroger fresh take today we'll look forward to reading you at dognation.com you get your own show returning tonight back to the dog nation video channels and we'll enjoy a chance to catch up with you as a part of that there too yep college football playoff rankings come out next week by the way so thanks fun for having, having me on ba yeah, Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. All right, really good stuff. We'll get to our SEC Through here coming up in a moment. I also remind you of this, that, you know, clearly on this show we talk sports, we talk college football, but we're also really proud. I mean, I'm not Georgian, right? I, I live in the state of Georgia, and there's nothing that makes me more proud than the impact the University of Georgia is having on our great state and the way that uh, the University of Georgia also represents the state across the world as UGA becomes really known more and more each and every year for its outstanding research and just the the incredible you know uh, academic achievements that are coming out of this university and obviously a lot of you very proud of that there as well and you really put your money where your mouth is you support the university of georgia you support the ug alumni association and we always on this show you know take that pretty seriously and you'll hear us from time to time really make a call out to get involved in the ug alumni association and support the work they're doing this time of year though it's even more fun i, I love this there's a really great good-natured fun-natured competition going on right now between the university of georgia and auburn the deep south's oldest rivalry where both alumni associations are looking to raise money right now and they're basically competing to see who can get the most donors during what's being known as beat week as georgia tries to beat auburn auburn tries to uh to, to beat uga and this is your chance to get involved if you love what uga is doing if you believe in the way that it's kind of you know bringing up that next generation of georgia grads who go out and impact the world in so many different ways then this is a great time to support the uga athletic association or i should say the uga alumni association let me make sure i say that correctly it's the uga alumni association so if you go to the top of the page there dognation.com you can see the link for this right now and you can click in there there's a great scoreboard of how many folks from georgia have given how many folks from auburn have given and then you can click right there to give your donation to uh the university of georgia and the alumni association you can support 
just show support for UGA as UGA continues to do so many things to support our great state of Georgia. So do that right now. Let's take down Auburn as part of Beat Week as these two alumni associations square off. Dognation.com right there at the top of the page for a lot more on that. All right, let's turn our attention down to the SEC through. Told you before, there is a lot of heat coming the way of some of these coaches that lost on Saturday. It was very easy to foresee a lot of this happening. That when you go into that day, it's kind of one of those first showdown Saturdays of the year. And you know, the great thing about the SEC is somebody's got to lose, right? It's a zero-sum game. And you know, somebody's happy, somebody else is unhappy. And it's amazing how much heat right now. Uh, Dan Mullen's taking at Florida. Gus Mal, excuse me, uh, Ed Orgeron's taking at LSU. I'll deal with the Mullen part of this first. You know, Mullen was asked yesterday directly about something a lot of you had kind of pointed out, that when Mullen's jogging out to the field to shake Mark Stoops' hand on Saturday, he kind of has the smile on his face. And to me, this is not Mullen not caring about the loss. I don't think that's what it is. Mullen is just an awkward guy. He's just not natural. He's not comfortable. And, you know, he was kind of grilled about the fact that, as one reporter put it, that he's kind of stuck in that kind of new year's six bowl level you know they've been top 10 team 2018 2019 going into the bowl season of 2020 but they can't really seem to break through and all that and then mullen's response was well won the sec east last year you know here's one thing you can say about kirby smart like kirby smart got testy with reporters on saturday and i guess a little bit yesterday in the press conference too when smart is combative and you can go back and check this for yourself when smart is combative he's almost always combative when his team is playing well like when smart you know has things going for him then i think he feels you know the freedom to just kind of say whatever he wants to in a, in a press conference but in those rare moments when things have not gone well for georgia you don't hear a lot of you know uh pushback from smart he kind of takes his medicine right i mean i, I think you'd actually be somewhat surprised to go back and listen to post-game press conference and conference in which smart has lost games he's fairly contrite and he does not get real pushy with the reporters on questions. He just sort of answers them. And, you know, and I think that's actually kind of a good look, right? It's like you don't want to be caught arguing too much for your own cause at a time in which the evidence doesn't really support that. You just don't want to quite do that. And Mullen seems to be a little too quick to come to his own defense in a moment when his actions on the field don't quite do that. And, you know, the, the atmosphere around Florida locally in Gainesville around that program has in recent years been just a little bit different than the national media perception has kind of been dan mullen gets all this praise for being the best play caller in college football but for a lot of florida fans they also point out the fact that they're not super happy with some of the 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 assistance that he's hired the the way in which the recruiting tentacles have spread out through the state of florida the fact that he brought back Todd Grantham for 2021 even though there were horrible defensive failures at the end of last season florida fans are not as robustly happy with dan mullen as you might assume now if they're going back and forth with a georgia fan or a rival fan base then like a lot of teams do they'll they'll defend their own coach there in that regard but you see after a day like saturday and a loss to kentucky a second now loss of the season for the gators you kind of see how thin the 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 support for mullen is at florida it may be a mile wide but it's about an inch deep and you kind of saw an example of that to say nothing of what's happening at lsu right now where I think the thing around Orgeron, at least from my perspective, and I'm uh, you know a few hundred miles away here, but from my perspective, it seems like this is a pretty well media-driven phenomenon. I can't quite tell how LSU fans truly feel about this. LSU fans are a little hard to find sometimes. There are a lot of them, but you know they're kind of they're just a different breed, right? They're 
they're still tailgating from Saturday, probably. It's like sometimes it's sort of hard to put your finger on the pulse of exactly what LSU fans think. But there are a lot of media types around there that are really grilling Orgeron pretty hard. And now he's lost again. And look at that schedule that's upcoming for LSU. They got Kentucky. I mean, it, it does not get it, it does not get easier sooner. In fact, let me see if I can just see if I can talk and and pull this up really quick. This is the uh, rest of the LSU schedule for the next few weeks. Let's listen to this for a moment. So they're at Kentucky on Saturday. Then it's Florida on October 16th. It's at Ole Miss for the uh, Grove Bowl. I'm sorry, the Magnolia Bowl on October 23rd. Week off. Then it's uh, Alabama November 6th. Arkansas November 13th. And they uh, have to play Texas A&M on November 27th. LSU has got a really tough schedule coming up. And it would seem on the basis of what we've seen thus far from LSU against Auburn, against UCLA, they got more losses to come. I mean, I said a lot during the offseason that I did not think Orgeron was, was uh, Gene Chizik. I did not think he was going to be one of these guys that won a national championship and fizzled out two years later. I can't say that I know for sure right now. And I thought I saw where Stuart Mandel, the uh, athletic writer the other day, was like, it's weird at LSU because in the past, if something like this were to happen, then LSU fans would be calling for Jimbo Fisher. And maybe now it's not as easy to hire Jimbo Fisher because he's making so much money at Texas A&M. A&M's losing games right now, too. There is an obvious replacement for Ed Orgeron at LSU. I mean, to me, the guy you go gets the offensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers. You go get Joe Brady. I think most people would say that Sam Darnold's a different quarterback playing with Brady than he was at any point in time in his career before this. I just think Brady's a very, very sharp guy. And like to this day, I still don't know much about him. I'm not even sure I could pick him out of a lineup. I don't really, don't really know what he looks like. But he was the best play calling mind I've ever seen in the SEC when he was passing game coordinator there at LSU in 2019. He was the guy that was most responsible i believe for that national championship so if it's orgeron that doesn't work the easiest hire may no longer be jimbo fisher the former offensive coordinator at lsu it may be their more recent passing game coordinator a guy like brady who if he doesn't take the lsu job i would think is on his way to becoming an nfl head coach at some point in time there too so interesting times on the bayou um there was a video that leaked out uh and i told you i'd take some medicine for my texas a&m stuff talked them up a lot in the offseason did not pick them to win the sec west and it was their offensive failures that held me back from doing that and on that particular part of this prediction turned out i was probably right about that uh starting quarterback exasperates that even more but clearly i didn't see them losing two games as quickly this season as they had nor would i've ever seen them losing to a team in mississippi state which i think of as the worst team in the sec but that's what happened for the aggies on saturday and there was a video that leaked out of the game day crew kind of talking about the the atmosphere there at college station and the fact that over the years a&m has just lost a ton of games at kyle field and they just lost a ton of games and i guess there's this thought that the 12th man the way they kind of make noise where it's like this like sort of constant dull roar yell but not the kind of natural rhythm of crescendoing for really good moments and really special moments that a&m is just actually kind of an easy stadium to play in and the results on the field would prove that i mean it is regroup time for texas a&m in a big way i I think the long-term projection for that program is still probably pretty good they are recruiting very well Uh, i think the jimbo fisher is building a solid program but they are not dynamic offensively and if king the quarterback was still healthy and playing would they be in better shape maybe they would maybe they wouldn't but this is i mean i think when you make a list of the most disappointing teams in the sec right now you gotta clearly say texas a&m's at the top of that there are other teams that you would include on that list too 
uh, but a real, real problem for, um, you know, for A&M right now. Let me also squeeze this because I skipped a story I meant to do a moment ago. Uh, so I was impressed by Tennessee on Saturday. Now, on, on the list of uh, disappointing teams, you got to include Missouri there. They got absolutely just blasted, you know, in, in uh, Como on Saturday after losing at Boston College the week before that. This is a team that I thought was going to have a lot more fight in it than it's proven to have thus far this season. But also, you know, Tennessee I thought was one of the easiest underplays to begin the year. Their season win total was only at six. And I thought they were very easy to go under that. This is not the kind of game I would have ever imagined them winning. They did so by scoring a lot of pl- a lot of points and really, really, you know, flexing a little bit there at Missouri on Saturday. Very, very impressive stuff there. And Kirk Herbstreit's been out there online kind of praising uh, Tennessee and Josh Heupel there a little bit. You know, I don't think this changes my overall feeling about Tennessee. I still think this is a bad football team. I think I think they've got more losses to come. But this was a pretty impressive day on Saturday for the Vols. I think you got to give them a little bit of uh, credit for that. We'll make that your SEC through. And speaking of uh, giving some credit, I love to give credit to my friends at Classic City Lager from Creature Comforts Brewing Company because it is a craft-style lager that just tastes great. It's a, as we say around here all the time, it's just good, cold beer. It's a lighter-style beer, but there's no sacrifice on flavor. The folks that do all those great brews from Creature Comforts, all those craft uh, selections, they have worked very hard to make uh classic city lager just as good as any of that if you're in the mood for kind of that lighter lager style beer i can promise you classic city lager is going to go great for you it's a taste of athens it reminds me of being athens every time i hold one of those cans in my hand the good news is you don't have to be in athens to get it though uh you wherever you're doing your shopping you can find classic city lager from creature comforts brewing company i always like watching this video when we show that for those who are watching on video because you see the great brewery and those cans coming off the belt there i've been in that facility i've seen them make that uh it's just a really fun thing to be able to do it's 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 great to get to know the folks there and the great care they take to be good citizens in the community in athens but also a big part of the craft beer scene across our country they take that very seriously they they love what they do it's a it's a labor of love a real passion project for them and so classic city lager another example of that so make sure you check out some today all right, we got a good a crop of golden shoe submissions. Let's run through those right now. We'll show the first one from our uh, buddy Mad Dog here, who has a uh, great edit of uh, Dan Mullen kind of falling down the ladder, which is labeled as the AP poll. Uh, Mike the Mad Dog says, when you lose on the road to an unranked team, and yeah, Gators clearly kind of getting toppled there in that associated press poll uh mad dog really good stuff will make you a golden shoe winner for today let's show you the next one here too just for a moment frank palumbo had a good idea kentucky got a huge fine for having their fans rush the field there at commonwealth stadium and kroger field for i guess what the third time he says maybe we should start a GoFundMe for kentucky gator hating is in our hearts and in our wallets we can even get a novelty check and make a new office prop with the final total raise I like everything. I like everything Frank is saying here on this. We may have to look into that, Frank. That's a really good idea. We have to check that out. By the way, John Smitty forty four ninety two on the subject of Facebook's outage yesterday says it got shut down by George's D. And in a lot of ways, maybe it truly did. Good stuff. John will make you a golden shoe winner as well. And speaking up, those lousy stinking Gators. Twenty five days from right now, dogs get some revenge in the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. We'll see you tomorrow. Dog Nation Daily presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. And of the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down, where we'll take your comments. You can hit me up on Twitter at DogNationDaily, or you can post in the comments section there at DogNation.com. And by the way, for those of you that listen on a podcast player, most of you do, you know, you can, if you ever have something you want to say and you want me to 
see it very easily, or if you just want other Georgia fans to kind of know your opinion, which is, you know, a fun thing to do, then just, you know, go to dognation.com. We always label the posts. You know, some people use the post as a way to listen to the show. Other people, you know, kind of connect through, you know, just a podcast player that they're using for other audio. But it'll always be labeled Georgia Football Podcast, and that's our Dog Nation Daily Post. You can click into that and just go down to the comment section and then just type whatever you want. I'll always see it. We can always share that with other Georgia fans here at this particular time. Duke Duke writes in to say, this isn't a question so much as it is just a PSA. Go watch the Dan Mullen press conference Monday. Just hilariously awkward, like dinner party episode from The Office. Kind of awkward, which is a very funny comparison, and it is. I saw a lot of that press conference on Monday from Mullen, and – it's just a very interesting thing that that Mullen is just not quite as on easy street at Florida as you might think, where it's like a lot of folks in media wise come to about national media wise sort of treat him like he's one of the you know best coaches in college football, but that's not really the way that like the local folks necessarily do that. It just doesn't quite seem like that Mullen gets that same level of love from his local reporters. We've had people on SEC Country Live before that have actually been pretty critical of him all the way around. And Florida fans themselves, you know, obviously they, you know, like any other fans, they kind of celebrate big wins and they get highest of highs, then lowest of lows. They kind of have a little bit of uh, a roller coaster on that. But, I mean, you know, when, when Mullen's questioned about, you know, getting out coached and he has these odd answers or when he's questioned about the fact that he was kind of smiling as he was running over to shake Mark Stoops' hand, you know, there's just an awkward degree of questions. And Mullen doesn't quite know how to shrug that kind of stuff off as easily as he could. He's just not really very good at that. You can tell that he's been a head coach at a place like Starkville before in Mississippi State where there's not the same level of media scrutiny. You can tell that he was an assistant for a long time, you know, uh, a deputy, not the guy in charge. And I think that when it comes to a big program like Florida and the extra pressure that comes with trying to win in a place like that, I, I do truly believe that Dan Mullen's still trying to figure out how to be the guy that that is comfortable in that spotlight. And it's fairly obvious that frequently he's not that comfortable in all of that. So I think that Duke Duke's right. It's worth your time. It was very entertaining for sure. Jim Dog 85 writes in to say, great day for the dogs on Saturday against Arkansas. Kirby could have run the score up even more if he'd wanted to. Arkansas was pinned into the closed end of the stadium right in front of the student section, the red coat band for the whole first quarter. It really was. Reminded me of that 2017 Mississippi State game when the dogs blitzed Dan Mullins' Maroon Bulldogs and won the game before halftime. Yeah, we had some folks going into the game on Saturday who said they thought the game might be reminiscent of that. It turns out that is probably the best overall comparison, including an eerily similar score to those two games, Uh, although it was shut out on Saturday, just 37-3 back in 2017. Uh, Jim Doc says, I hope next week's game with the Plains isn't a repeat of 2017, though, and I understand where you're coming from on that. That November game is very tough there. He says, the Auburn crowd impacted that game the same way ours did this past week. I'm sure their crowd will be ready after last week's win at LSU. However, I feel like this year's Georgia team will be better able to deal with that crowd noise. If Stetson can protect the football and stay away from turnovers, Georgia should win, pulling away in the third quarter. Two quick thoughts there on that. I think both these are really important. I do have good respect for the Auburn crowd, and I do think that it's one of those things that can be impactful. It certainly was in 2017. It became impactful by the end of the game when Georgia played there in 2019. So it's very important, I believe, and I believe we also addressed this during the regular show today there as well. It's very important for Georgia to establish that early lead, kind of throw the kitchen sink at Auburn in the first quarter as a way of not allowing those fans to become a part of the game. I think Georgia will be glad it did that if it did. The other thing that Jim Dog points out, which I think is really important, 
is when you think about Stetson Bennett's role in Saturday's game, I think most George fans assume he's probably going to start, just given what's going on with JT right now. I guess we could be surprised by that outcome, but it seems like this is where this is kind of heading here at the moment. When you think about all of that, you know, it's obviously easy to imagine, oh, the game gets a little closer because Bennett throws the interception. As I told Connor Riley when he joined us a little earlier, you know, Bennett oftentimes isn't as careful with the football as maybe you wish that he would be. And so you can imagine the game getting closer because of that. But there's also the flip side of that where, okay, so if you live in fear of that, now you call an excessively conservative game plan because you don't want the turnover to come. Maybe you don't have quite as much success with that conservative game plan as you did last Saturday against Arkansas because the overall you know talent level for Auburn on defense is probably higher than it is for for Arkansas now the game gets a little closer because of that right because you're not scoring enough points to extend your lead maybe you're shutting them down defensively but you're not extending that lead offensively and so suddenly you're in a position where one mistake is magnified because the the overall game margin is a little closer ultimately I think that Georgia has the easy day on Saturday I think it gets an easy, satisfying win against Auburn. But that's where I see the Auburn opportunity to come in. Game made closer either because of mistakes or offensive ineffectiveness. And suddenly, one big play by Auburn, one miscue by Georgia, and suddenly a game that's closer than it should be now becomes the kind of game where Georgia has to make a play to win late. You know, that's at least a possibility when I my mind just it will, it is forced to kind of think about what are the things that could go wrong? And so I guess if that's where I'm thinking things could go wrong, that's kind of the spot that it might be. I'd love to hear more of your thoughts on that as the week goes on. We'll do that as part of our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down. You can also find R.S. Andrews online at rsandrews.com for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. They show up on time. They do the work that's promised for the price that's promised. You can find them today. We'll see you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Engineered Solutions of Georgia. Hope you have a great day, everybody.